So the Lord has dropped a very specific word on my heart. Before the conference, before Zeal for His House, the Lord was dealing with us about the simplicity that is in Christ. Did you know that the enemy, one of his main games is confusion, complicating. Jesus, so simple. So, like, I truly believe tonight that we are going to experience a new freedom. That we are going to be baptized afresh in the revelation of his love. Did you know what's so amazing is that the God that we serve is not just sound theology, but he is sound reality. Like, he, he desires to be experienced. Like, that's what we forget sometimes because we, we can kind of get so analytical, so intellectual. Uh, I, I'll actually start with this story. I just feel led to sh share it. I wasn't sure if I was going to, but like last night I had, a, I had somebody refer a person to call me. And this person that called me was dealing with major addiction, major things going on in their life. In fact, they were from Orlando. And this person's talking to me over the phone, and this is what they, they were sharing. And it, it was so precious. That's why this is not, it, they were sharing that my whole life, I, 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 I kind of push God to the side, and I, I don't even have an idea of who he is. And in fact, I've done everything. I've ran away from God. I've ran away from anything to do with that. And I've lost my family. I've lost all these things in my life. I'm not making even money like I was before. Everything is completely gone. And he said, a week ago, I prayed. And I prayed that God, if you're real, will you, will you help me see my family again? And he doesn't know anything about that. He's just throwing a prayer up. Has anybody been there before? <laughs> I've been there. That's why I love stories like this. A, a real prayer from a heart that doesn't really have any knowledge of God other than if you're real. He throws this prayer up, and right after that, he hasn't seen his family. He walks into a restaurant, and the whole family is there. <laughs> And he immediately knows that there is a God and he has no clue who he is. So one of the people in that family know me. And they said, you need to call this guy and just talk with him. So he calls me last night and I, I'm just ready to talk. I didn't know, but he's sharing all this stuff with me. And as soon as he said that, I said, isn't it amazing? And this is what I said to him. I said, isn't it amazing how you can spit in God's face your whole life? That's what I said to him. It was just by the Spirit. I know it's a little harsh, but I said, you can spit in God's face your whole life with your actions. And in one moment, you throw a prayer up, and he is ready to run in and show you how much he loves you. And we began talking for... It was, I feel like it was over an hour. It was probably an hour and a half. We're talking and I'm sharing the gospel with him. 
And he says, I believe in God, but I'm just not sure about Jesus. Like, I, I know a God answered my prayer, but, and I'm like, listen, I, I, I won't be loving you if I don't tell you that things could start to get better. But if all it was was you throwing a prayer up and God doing it, but you don't give your life to Jesus, I said, this is all a waste. And I walked him through and he said, I'm just not sure. And he just said, could you say a prayer for me at the very end? So I pray with him and I, I pray in the name of Jesus. And I, I, I pray that, his, that the eyes of his understanding would be enlightened and that the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of Jesus, like I'm praying Jesus the whole time. And then when I said amen, he said, he said, I know you said earlier that there's a way I can give my life to the Lord, to Jesus. He said, can you lead me to him? And I walked him through the prayer, and he said, I've never felt this in my entire life, over the phone. Gave his life to the Lord, and he's been texting me all day today. And I, I sent him some things that he could grow in, but why, why do I share all of that? It's because we so quickly forget how little we have to do with his work. <laughs> and I want to be very watchful in my words because I don't want to create a, a mindset. What I want to do is I want to exalt him to such a degree that you get free of yourself. You, 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 you lose the, the bondage of performance and, and all of this and you, you realize that if I allow his love to influence this life, that I will produce the most genuine, authentic fruit of the kingdom there is. And tonight, what I really want to share in, in light of that is that through the Zeal for His House conference, we, we had exponential, incomprehensible <laughs> deposits. I mean, it was so funny, uh, even at the home groups this Sunday, people were sharing what took place, and it was just people were crying, people were... And you know what I loved the most about what people shared at, at the home group where, where I, my wife and I were at was it was the most simple revelations. It wasn't like this, this huge revelation that's like, wow, like that's unworld. It was like I learned how important it is to love again. I learned how important it is to pray for. Like it was simple because he's simple. So many people are looking for something way crazier, way this. And if we would just learn to be like Mary, sit at his feet and let our hearts burn for whatever is coming out of his mouth, whatever it is. If he just wants to talk about love, if he wants to talk about great, just sit there and receive the simplicity that's in Christ. And with that being said, we heard about 24-7 prayer. We heard about uh, going after our region, going after the city. And it would be so easy for us to ride on a high. We could be like, yeah, we got to do this right now. We got we to gotta go. We heard this word. We heard all this. And I want to pump the brakes for one reason. I don't want to go after all these things just because we're fired up. Because if we don't do it from the right source, we're all going to fail miserably. We're going to be left disappointed, 
discouraged, wondering what happened because we did it all for hype. We did it all because we thought that there was this huge responsibility that we didn't realize that he put the desire in our hearts because he's going to empower and he's going to source it all if we remember to stay. And tonight I have a word. It's very simple, but I, I want to talk to you about the message's secrets to obedience. Just very simple. Could I just ask a quick question? Does everybody in this room want to obey God? Yes. <laughs> uh, wow, okay. <laughs> the, the desire to obey God, I believe that every born-again believer, every genuine born-again believer desires to obey. They quickly beat themselves up when they feel like they're not obeying. In fact, they, they beat themselves up hard if they don't have a good revelation of identity and a revelation of who they are in him. And I just want to share a few things about this. And, you know, Jesus made a statement in Matthew 15. He said that he was speaking to the Pharisees and he says, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. Do you know, I, I feel like that's on the top 10 most scariest verses in the Bible. that there are people that could honor him with their lips and their hearts be so far. I want the opposite. I want my heart to be so close to him that my words can't even convey it. <laughs> I want the opposite, that my heart's so close that I don't even have words for it. I don't wanna have really rich language and a heart that is moving another direction. But what I want to encourage you is that if you are truly born again, that you have everything you need to obey God. I don't know if you heard me. If you are truly born again, the seed of God planted on the inside of your heart, you have everything you need to obey God. He does not ask you to do something that he has not fully empowered you to be able to walk out. That should be exciting, not intimidating. And I wanna, I wanna walk us through that scripturally tonight. I wanna make sure our hearts are bigger than our vision. You hear me? I want our hearts to be bigger than our vision because if your dreams are bigger than your heart, your life will be a nightmare. I'll tell you that much. You want your heart to be bigger than everything. And that's what we're talking about tonight. The right heart posture to be able to do what God is calling us to do. Amen. Amen. So I was sharing that testimony. I want to read two passages of scripture. Um, and there will be others when we go through this. There's three keys that I'm going to give you. And they're the most simple keys. You're going to be like, really? And I'm going to say exactly that. But I want you to go to Ephesians 2. And then we're going to read another passage. I want you to really take in the born-again experience. Be recalibrated by the gospel. Be revitalized by the gospel. Do you understand how important it is that we read this book every day? Do you, uh, do you understand? Like, I don't want you to read this book out of obligation. I don't. But I'm, I'm here to tell you that 
when you realize that this is having an effect on your, your heart and your life and your mind. In Ephesians 5, it says, husbands, husbands in the house, your responsibility is to speak the word of God over your wife. Your, your, your job is to wash her mind with the watering of the word. Did you know Jesus is our bridegroom and that he's washing our minds with his word as we read it? Has anybody been reading the word of God before and you read and a verse hits you and even when you try to keep reading, all you can do is that one verse is just like, I'm here, I'm here. You know what that is? That's God speaking to you. But if you're not in the book, it's going to be very hard because the enemy is the God of this world. And if you ask for God to give you a sign, the wrong God will give it to you. You need to know the word because the word is the tone of his voice. The word is his character. It's his nature. And as you read the word, you begin to discern by the spirit when your father is putting a prompting on your heart. He's sharing things with you. And I want you to see the born again experience just up close. Ephesians 2, and we've read this recently, but it's the word of God. <laughs> Chapter 2, it says this, and you he made alive. Everyone say, I'm alive. I'm alive. What would that mean? That means before you knew him, what were you? You were dead. You were dead. No matter how hard you tried to love people, your love was dead. No matter how hard you tried to be successful in everyone else's eyes, all of your measures were dead. That's not me. That's the Bible sharing. So it says, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Uh, you know, I, you have to understand, men in this room, did anybody ever, did anyone have to teach you how to lust? Did anyone have to teach, did you have to go to a class to learn how to lust after a woman? It's because you were it's your nature. No one had to teach you how to be angry. It was who you were. It was a nature. Nobody had to teach you it. It was by default. But the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17, which we've shared multiple times, that if any man be in Christ Jesus, it says that they are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Do you know what behold means in the Greek? Can I show you? That's literally what it means. I'm not even joking. It means to, it means to double, triple take like you, you don't even believe what you're looking at. That's seriously in the Greek. You look it up. To behold, it's this, it's, it's this insane like you are not who you were. Like I don't even, where did you go? And this is, this is the nature that you weren't, before you knew him, no one had to teach you to be angry. No one had to teach you how to lust. No one had to teach you how to gossip. No one, it was just embedded in you. And you keep reading and it says, 
that the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who works in the sons of disobedience, does everybody see that homosexuality, the LG, you know, I always will mess it up, but, but does everybody see? <laughs> it's not a word, no, I'm <laughs> but it's like the, the thing, and I'm not being, I want you to hear my heart on this, that what's happening is there's the prince of the power of the air, and if you are seeing it, what's happening is it is beginning to increase more and more because the prince of the power of the air is influencing culture, influencing things. And the, bi the body of Christ has to, has to stand for truth, but not without love. And we love and we begin to burn an intercession that the Lord would use us to reveal the true identity in him, which is a male and a female being birthed again in God and revealing true identity that becomes so contagious and they, they actually burn for jealousy for the real thing and they leave their lifestyle. But the prince of the power of the air has them right now and he used to have us. This is why you should not be critical and judge. The Bible says judge fruit when it comes to leaders and things like that, but it's very important that you understand that that in this, we have to realize that if we don't realize that we were delivered from that, we will become critical thinking that we're just making really good choices and they're not. And then you'll get prideful and then your heart begins to get further and further away from being an actual answer that God wants us to be. And when you keep reading here, it says, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Did you know before you knew Jesus, your default position was to be disobedient to God? Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. We were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Do you see this? That before Jesus came, we were all headed to a cliff called destruction, damnation. And Jesus, he stood in the way. And by the grace of God, that gospel hit your heart that was so dark and wicked. And the light of Christ through the gospel pierced your heart. And all of a sudden, you fell in love with a man. That doesn't happen in the world. You see, this is the thing about the born again experience is we, it's not just making better decisions. We fell in love with Jesus. You can't force somebody to love Jesus. You can't. It has to be the influence of grace upon the heart. And this is where we get to. Everybody say, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Does this say that you just one day decided to make a really good decision? No, it doesn't. This is saying that God who is rich in mercy because he so loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You see, even... When you were living the worst, God had a signet ring ready for you. 
He had a, a robe to put around you. He had a fatted calf to kill. He had a party ready for you. All the angels were queued up to sing loud praises when you said, yes, Jesus. That from before time began, God was waiting for this moment that you would, you would inside, that the light of the gospel would hit you and nobody would have to say, bow your knee and praise him, bow your knee. And you just said, I willfully give my life because I see that I am wicked. I see that this is not what I'm called to do. And you run to the arms of a loving savior. This is, this is, uh, this is important we get this because the Bible says in Colossians that as you've received him, Colossians 2.6, as you've received him, so walk in him. How did you receive him? You were broken. You were dead. You, that Lazarus came out of the tomb, not by anything to do with his own ability. Do you know why? Because you listen the best when you're dead. When you're dead to yourself, your spiritual ears are wide open. They can hear. They're not influenced by selfishness. They're not moved by people's opinions or even when people slight you. The Bible says to pursue peace with all men. I, that's a big thing in my heart. I'll tell you what, if I, I, I even think there's something between you and me, it's not that I love you, but you know what I love the most? I love honoring God. And I want to honor him. And that's the most important thing when you're seeing. But when it says this, it says he raised us up together made us sit together in the heavenly place of Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. Now watch this. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. For what? To sit around and just talk about your theology? To sit around and have arguments on all the different thoughts. No, it says you were created for him for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in him. So let me ask you this. If God could call you out of your lifestyle and there was nothing you did to change that lifestyle, it was that God empowered you and graced your life, how much more? Will he grace you to obey him and do great exploits in his name? Do you see how simple that is? That uh, People could get free on that right now. That you were delivered from darkness, but your deliverance is unto something. Your deliverance is not just to wait around and talk theology. You were created for good works, and those good works are called obedience. I, I really want to propose to you, I, I want to just give you another passage if you're taking notes. We're not going to go there for the sake of time. Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 8, it says almost the same thing except it talks about the kindness of Jesus, and I love that. Are you thankful that Jesus is kind? <laughs> I, some of you don't understand how loud you should say amen to that. If he was not kind, we would be in deep trouble. We'd be in serious trouble. He is kind. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> 
if he was not a man. I, we could stay there for a while. Some of you, you you'll get that on the day, on the day we stand before him. The day we stand before him, you'll be like, oh, I'm really glad he's kind. See, sometimes, sometimes you got to sit on something because if you, we, if we just have an earthly definition of kindness, we'll just go, yeah, he's kind. No, no, his kindness has called us out of darkness. His kindness caused him to become a man and live just like you and I so he could empower us to live in freedom, knowing we're loved and valued. Good night. Everyone say grace produces obedience. A grace that doesn't produce obedience is not biblical. Grace produces obedience, but not in your self-will. You see, it's not about self-willed obedience. It's about self-surrendered obedience. It's surrendering to the influence of his lordship that when you see how kind he is, when you see how loving he is, you willfully want to do whatever he says. The only times we hold back is when we begin to get in our heads and we gauge our performance and we, we weigh the wrong things. But go to John 15. Some of you are like, man, I feel like we've been going here a lot. And we have. And the Lord spoke this to me today, actually, as I've been preparing this. The Lord, I, I just felt this prompting in my heart and I said this to God. I said, God, we keep going here. And he says, this is what I felt in my heart. I, and I'm not saying I heard an audible voice. I want to be clear. I, it was a prompting. It was like a little quote. And the Lord says, I will keep bringing you here until you stay here. <laughs> that's, what I, that's what I had. It just, it just, I was just like, yes, Lord. I was like, I will bring you here until you stay here. How many people think that that's how we should read the Bible? That's the spirit leading you into truth. You don't got it yet. Come back. Come back. There's some more meat on the bone, son. I put in my notes, we will go there until we stay there. God. <laughs> Hopefully I'm not misquoting you, Lord. John 15, verse 9. Okay, we're talking about secrets to obedience. I'm laying this. You guys good? Please, let me know if you're not. Don't lie. John 15, verse 9. Jesus says this. This is the verse I've been telling everybody, pleading with you to memorize. Did you know when we read the scripture, this is what you should do before you read. Say, Father, I thank you that I'm going to see your glory as I read. Because if I see your glory when I read, I'll never go back to anything useless. That if your glory impacts me when I'm reading this, I'll never be the same. But if I just read this as another little devotion, I'll be encouraged for a moment or maybe I'll be confused because I don't understand what I'm reading. But if I can see your glory, when I'm reading, 
I'll be forever changed. I, I want you to read that way. Be honest with God and say, I need to see you when I read. I want to see you because if the influence of your person hits my heart, I'll be a better husband. I'll be a better father because I'm not doing it because I know it's what I need to do. I'm doing it because I've seen you and you're the greatest example of a father. You're the greatest example of a bridegroom. You're the greatest example of a friend. If I can see you, everything changes. In verse 9, chapter 15, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He says, as the father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. Stop everything. We've been saying, you, you cannot exercise enough overemphasis of this. Like, in fact, when you read this, you should just, you should almost take your Bible and smack yourself in the face with, like, I need this. Like, you, it should, you should get, like, get, get physical, you know what I'm saying? Like, 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 I need to understand this. Like, we're talking about the, God actually said, we find in scripture that he says he is love. He's the standard of love that before time began, he's been loving. He has been love for eternity. And all of that love, all of it, all of that love is directed at his son. And Jesus says, as he has loved me, I also have loved you. Why are you beating yourself up? Why are you thinking you're so let? Why are you thinking that what you did last week is the final thing in who you are when you have a promise like this that will pull you out of the miry pit? It'll pick you up and it'll show you who you really are, not just to make you feel better about sin and that you can keep living that lifestyle, but you can see who you're really created to be and you can walk in righteousness and holiness because he saved you and he's also equipped you to obey him. Amen. This love is so Big, and what does he say? He says, abide. What does he say? Abide in my love. What does that mean? That means we're staying here. So what do we find in Revelation about people that lost, we sung about it tonight, people that lost their first love. It's because all of a sudden, it is so easy to do things in life outside of that revelation. Do you know, there would be nothing more horrific to me as a husband if my wife decided to live with me just out of principle, but she didn't enjoy being with me, but she said, you know what, I should just obey and, be a, and just be a housewife and support the best I can, but I really don't enjoy it. Do you know how horrible that would be? Do you know how that, that wouldn't be healthy? That if my because what is, what is the true thing God is after? He is after your joy. He wants you to be joyful in him. He doesn't want you to have, a, he doesn't want you to be at a place where every obedience thing is this, oh, I gotta be, I gotta obey God again. I don't know how I'm gonna get over these things. I don't, that, that's not this walk. That's not this wall. When we even hear about persecution and stuff, that's true. That's, that's biblical suffering. That the American church has not really experienced that yet. But I'll tell you what, we need a revelation of love to endure. Yeah. 
We need this revelation. Because this is what Jesus is talking about. But watch this, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Can I ask everybody a question? Did, did Jesus commit any sin? No. He was 100% obedient his entire life. And what is the key we just found? He said, I've obeyed my Father's commandments because I abided in his love. He is saying that all obedience comes from this place called abiding in love. That when you remain here, obedience overflows. I, I want to make sure I don't, you see, oh, oh, hear me out. Obedience, obedience is not an attempt to earn God's love. Obedience is the privilege to express his love. Check that out. That, that's, not, um, uh, that's not me even showing him I love him. It's actually the privilege that he's equipped me to obey because when I obey him, I'm manifesting his desire on the earth. So I'm trying to make sure I say this the right way so you hear me. That love, love, let me, I got to say it this way. Obedience doesn't start until you inhale his love. Love is not complete until you exhale obedience. <laughs> obedience doesn't start until you inhale his love. And love is not complete until you exhale obedience. Now, I'm not trying to, I want you to hear me clearly. I'm not talking about obedience in this sense, like you got to prove, you got to prove. I'm saying that obedience is literally the response to being deeply affected by his love. That, do you hear what I'm saying, saints? Please hear what I'm saying. I'm not trying to get you to a place where, oh, I'm not obeying, so that means I don't love. I'm trying to tell you, if you are born again and you live in this realm, you live right here and you abide in his love, he will make you. The mo your lifestyle will be righteous. It'll be clean. It'll be holy because that is the response of living there. This is why every day to contend for the faith, to fight for the faith, it means that I'm going to stay in this realm. No matter what, no matter when the enemy accuses me of something else or tries to remind me of who I was, I, who I was was when I was living according to the, the, the prince and the power of this air. But God, who is rich in mercy through his love, he called me out. He called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. And now that I see, I'm created for good works. You're created for good works. You're not created for pornography. You're not created for, for getting back on pain meds. You're not created for lying. You're not created for cheating on your taxes. You're not created for those things. You're created to replicate his love. And if you don't experience it, you'll keep trying. And then a few weeks will go by, a month will go by, and you're just like, I'm not feeling it anymore. It's because you, you haven't experienced it. I'm sorry but I'm here to plea with you tonight. If you're in this room, it's the mercy of God that you're in this place. And if you come to this altar tonight, that we will contend that you will experience this love and you won't go back out those doors trying to perform, trying to earn God's love, but you'll live from a realm and you will change this city. You'll change your workplace. You'll change things in this realm.
You gotta stay. This is what the family of God is about. This is when somebody starts living away and they're discouraged. We say, stop it. Get over here. You're loved. That God is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you and he's equipped you. Stop listening to these voices. Stop entertaining it. You weren't created for that. As the Father loved Jesus, Jesus loves you. Abide there. That's not it, though. (laughs) Verse 11. Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you. Has anybody seen? If you haven't been joyful in the presence of God, and I'm, I, I'm not only just talking about the laughs. The laughs are beautiful. That's beautiful. But what I'm talking about, I'm just talking about in general. You should be a joyful person if the joy of the Lord is in you. Do you hear what I'm saying? He said, my joy may remain in you if you abide in my love. That, that in, what does it say in Psalm 1611? It says, in, it says that in my presence is the fullness of joy. And at my right hand are pleasures forevermore. Did you know God is a God of pleasure? The enemy thinks he's offering you pleasure in this world. He's the king of pleasure. But guess what? It's not in the things he gives you. It's in who he is. The things he gives you are great. It's beautiful. But the true salvation experience is all of your joy is in him. Take the world, but give me Jesus. That should be the prayer of the saints. The prayer of the saints should be, you can take it all. Because you know what makes you the most indestructible person? Is when you get Paul's words branded on your heart. To live is Christ. To die is gain. That's the gospel. That's somebody that has been possessed by grace. That is somebody, I'm getting ahead of my, I got to get this out, I got to get this out. This is rich, thank you, Lord. So these things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Now watch this. He, he starts out with love and this, it's love, obedience, joy. So what is, what is the message here? The message here is that obedience is sourced from love And that when you obey, joy is the reward. Does anybody remember Hebrews 12 too? He endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. He obeyed even when in in the natural, it was the most costly and the most horrific thing in the natural. He knew that obeying his father's voice was the most supreme reward. That, you see, this is the thing is we... As Americans, we, as a natural-minded people, we think that reward is gaining a possession when the greatest reward is knowing you heard from him and you did what he said. And you're like, I don't get that. That doesn't compute. That's because it has, you have to abide in this love and all of a sudden your reward system completely changes. Because when you abide in love, you know what my, my, my children, I can tell like when we're in the right vein that they find joy when they do something I ask them to do and they do it to a T. 
they find joy in it. Does any parents know what I'm talking about of young children that they find joy in it because that when we are doing what our Father asked us to do, it, it, is, it is the most rewarding thing. And not only is it full of joy, but he, he's so good that he lavishes us with so much more than just that. Because even though Jesus found joy in that, the joy that was set before him was a new heaven and a new earth. A bride, a perfect bride that, that he didn't realize the fullness of his obedience. He, he did because he's the Lord, but you're, I'm here, you got to hear what I'm saying. That we don't realize the fullness of our obedience in the moment. But for ages to come, he will reveal the joy of when you went up to that person at the gas station. And you said, has anybody told you that God loves you before? Has anybody, has anybody told you about Jesus? Has, you know, you're going to find the rewards that when you were praying in the spirit one night, late at night, that you were praying for somebody in China that you didn't even know their name and they were getting persecuted, but you were praying in the spirit because you listened to the unction. And if we would learn to abide in this love, that we will find that for ages to come, he will fill us with joy of the rewards of obedience in this time. Because when you read Hebrews 11, Abraham, he was the father of many nations, but guess what he didn't see all those nations when he was alive but from the balcony of heaven he's seeing the reward he's seeing it and his joy is being so made full for generations to come if the Lord tarries if you are obedient in raising your children if you're obedient obedient and loving your family for generations that joy will keep going and growing and growing Stop giving up. What does it say in Galatians? Don't grow weary in doing good, for in due season you shall reap a harvest. Do you, do you know why it's easy to wait on God? He's faithful. No, he's never been late. He's never not shown up. He's never left you out to dry. He's faithful. And that's why it's easy to wait. It's not easy to wait in the natural, but when you abide in the love, so good. Nothing will train your heart to stay like the beauty of Jesus. I, I, I have to tell you all, some, some people in this room don't, and I say this in love, some of you hear us talk about the beauty of Jesus and you, you haven't grasped it yet. Because the beauty of Jesus begins to cause, this is what's happening in the room on a regular basis, is that the worship, the, the, the groaning unto him. It's because his beauty is affecting hearts and it's calling us deeper. It's training us to stay in this realm. His beauty teaches us and trains us in righteousness. It says in the Psalms, it's the beauty of his holiness. He's so perfect, he's so set apart that you realize why am I making a big stink about things? Have you seen him? Like, this is not, we're not making this up. This is not, I'm telling you, I have, in the spirit, I, I feel like I've just been fried by a lightning bolt of God. Like, I just, I just, he's impacted my life so much that I, if I could just squeeze out what I know to you, I would. But I, I'm trying the best I can with weak words to convey his, his strength. And what does it say in Ephesians? Because we're saying, what does it say here? It's talking about abiding in love. And what is the prayer in Ephesians? It says, and I just, Ephesians 3, I pray this prayer over you all often, just so you know. I pray it over you. Because I think the best prayers are the ones that are in there. <laughs> Aren't you thankful? He, 
he, he gave us some prayers. In Ephesians 3, starting verse 14, it says, it says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to might, with inner spirit strength, that Christ would dwell in your heart through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. Do you hear that? Rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend what is the width, the length, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ. Everyone say that. To know the love of Christ, it surpasses all understanding that you may be filled with the fullness of God. What does that say right there? That says to know his love is to be filled with the fullness of God. Why would you pursue anything else? Why? If knowing his love is what fills you with the fullness of God, why would you search for cool little revelations on TikTok? Why would you search for YouTube preachers that are speaking things that are really crazy going on in the world? Because if I can know his love, I'll be filled with the fullness of God and I will change everything around me because he will use me as an agent of obedience to his kingdom as I yield to this love. This is, this is the key. And what does it say right after that? Now, you see, this, just when you think about being filled with the fullness of God, that should blow your mind. Okay? But guess what the next verse is? Now to him who is able <laughs> to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think according to the power that's at work within us. He's not just saying, ask me for a big dream. No, what he's saying, he says, ask me for the fullness of who I am. Ask me that I could fill you. And guess what? My promise is that you would overflow because when you ask for my fullness, everyone in your sphere is going to feel the overflow. Did you know overflow is the signature of maturity in the Lord? Because if you're not overflowing, it means you're immature in love. It should just overflow. And the thing I love about overflow is this, is overflow always humiliates the vessel because the vessel can't contain the source. His love humbles you because you can't contain it. He wants you to share it. And even if you don't, you're crying on the floor and people are looking at you and they're being affected that you're experiencing him. It's the overflow. You're like, what are the keys to obedience? Everything I'm saying. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you this. Give, give me just a few minutes here. Give him a few minutes because this is not me. If it's me, then it's garbage. Uh, love is, I want to just give you three keys. There's many keys, but this is what I felt prompted to tonight. You know how, do you know you have to eat for the rest of your life to live in the natural? Is everybody here? Is, is that, is, did you learn that? <laughs> you have to eat for the rest of your life to live. But... You have to eat what's before you today. When we read the word, when we get into scripture, when we have sermons, when we have, all I'm doing is giving you a meal. Yeah, I, I believe this is a meal that'll satisfy, that'll, that'll take you, but tomorrow morning you gotta, get, you gotta get in the kitchen 
you got to get out your fork, your knife, your spoon. You got to make sure you, 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 he prepares a table for you. Make sure you show up ready to eat. You're like, I got a lot going on. Well, actually, he prepares it in the presence of all that's going on, all those enemies, all those enemies you got going on. He's prepared the table. He doesn't take holidays. Three keys. I said these are going to be simple. Does anybody want to guess what the first one is? Love. <laughs> we've, been, we've hit it so hard, but I, I want to give you three scriptures for each one of these keys. So write them down. Memorize them. Go there until you stay there. 1 Corinthians 13.8 tells us that love never fails. And what I, would, what I would encourage you is to read 4 through 8 because it gives the definition of the love that never fails before that. You see, God's love never fails. The world's perverted, shallow definition of love will fail. Anything, that is, anything that's not sourced in his love has an imminent expiration date. Do you understand that? Even your own self-willed obedience, you'll run, you'll run dry. But if you're sourced in this love, it'll never fail. Isn't that amazing? You, have you guys read that in the Bible? Love never fails. So just, I'm just letting you know that's probably a good way to do things. <laughs> I know it sounds simple, but like, hey, love never fails. Maybe I should really get a revelation of this so I, I stop failing in a lot of things decisions and bouncing around all the time and not knowing what maybe if I get a revelation and live here obedience will flow so freely from my life just as my salvation came freely John 14 6 or no I'm sorry I skipped one I, I'm going the other one is Romans 8 37, and I encourage you to, if you're taking notes, do uh, 31 through 39, but specifically Romans 8.37 says this. These are scriptures you want to memorize. Romans 8.37 says, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Did you know love, the love of God makes you a warrior? There is nothing more dangerous than a soldier that fights from and for love. It's the, most, it's the most precious thing. Why, why, why even in the natural, we, we read it in Romans, it says even for a good man, somebody will die. Like the reason that soldiers, even in all, that there's army and things, is that somebody is willing to lay down their life for their family, willing to lay down. But how much more for the gospel should we be that he wants us to conquer through this love, that his love teaches us to conquer Conquer temptation. Conquer wrong thoughts and, and the past hurts. Did you know you don't have to live with the, the things that were said about you when you were young, the, the emotional abuse, the physical abuse? You don't have to live there. You are called to abide in his love, not abide in your past. You're not called to live from there. And, to, to, you know, the more you talk about your past, the more you meditate on, a, on an identity and a reality that God never called you to live in. Yeah. This is why we want to know Christ. So we're full of him, not full of ourselves. 
If you meditate on you and your things all the time, you're filling yourself with you. That's bad. Because it's, it's not the real you. It's, a, it's carnal thoughts. The, 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 the final love scripture I want to give you, there's honorable mentions, but I got to get this out. So first, first John 4, and I, I encourage you just read that whole chapter once again, just like take a bath in First John 4, uh, let it wash over you. First um, John 4, I'm going to read verses 16, starting at verse 16, it says this. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. You see these phrases abide again because it's John writing. He says, love has been perfected among us in this. Okay, why does love get perfected? Does anybody think that a perfected love would be very important? Make sure when you're reading the scriptures, you, you see these consummation points. So love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. The whole purpose of God's love is so that you are ever growing in a boldness to approach him. Being perfected in love is being perfected to stand before him unashamed, being able to come before him and know your identity. This is love being perfected. And what does it go on to say? It says, there is no fear in love I don't know if, I'll never forget before we started Gold Street Garden corporately. I've shared this so many times. I remember being in my, my room, in my office, and the Lord, I, I, I felt that, I felt the weight of this. I felt the weight of where this was going. And I, I remember I cried out to God and I said, I don't know if I have what it takes to always say yes to you. I was like at my, I was, I was crying. And I said, I just don't know if I have what it takes to say yes, because I know what I'm going to have to believe for. I know I'm going to have to believe for, for buildings. I know I'm going to have to believe for other families. I know I'm going to have to set an example. I'm going to, I'm going to have to be strong when everybody else is weak. I'm going to have to lead. I'm going to have to have my family, like all these things were going. And I just, I don't know if I have what it takes to say yes. And for six hours, I listened to You're Beautiful by Phil Wickham, but the Upper Room version. And I listened to it over and over and over again. And I'll tell you what, every tear that my heart bled tears all night, liquid revelation flying out. I was crying, but I was crying from a place that I didn't know. And finally, I heard this still small voice and said, if you say yes to me, I will authenticate it through your life. It, he, he just wanted me to know that he would authenticate my yes if I gave it to him. He just said, well, just, it's not about you processing. You know, it's just give me your yes and I will empower your life. I will authenticate your life. And we're here and we're, we're not stopping because it's by his grace. So it says this, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear because I was fearful of failure. But he says fear involves torment. Has anybody been tormented by the thought of failure, not pleasing God or whatever? This says, this, he's saying that this love cast all that out. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. All the pressure's off there. All my love unto him is sourced from the way he's loved me. The other two points, and worship team, you can come. 
Everybody say truth. This is number, number two. I'll make these quick just so we get it out. The first one, John 8, 31 through 32, it says, Jesus was speaking. He says, those of you, he says, those who abide in my word. Everyone say abide again. You see this phrase. Stay in my word. Those who abide in my word, they are my disciples indeed. They shall know the truth and the truth shall set them free. If I were to tell you that freedom comes from you remaining in truth, you would stop thinking you need to go to 10 deliverance ministries to get set free. I'm not, I'm not against people being delivered, but I am against people getting away from the Bible and looking for an experience or looking for a heightened spiritual personality to get them out of something when Jesus is the highest. He's a good deliverer. Stop insulting him. Amen. He's a good deliverer. And he says, I, I want to make a statement that the, the freedom is the reward of consistency with Jesus. Freedom is the reward of consistency with Jesus. When you abide in his word and you abide in his love, why would truth be a key to obedience? Because if you are free, your obedience is no longer conditional. Your obedience is no longer hinged on what you get or what you don't get because you're free. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So what is, he, what is the other thing we need to know about truth? Truth is a person. It is a relationship. This will set you free for obedience because it is easy to obey the most loving person. John 16, verses 12 through 15, Jesus told the disciples that when the spirit of truth has come, he will lead you into all truth. So what is the Holy Spirit doing on the inside? He's revealing to you greater realms of freedom. No matter how bound you feel, no matter how the Holy Spirit is trying to lead you into greater freedom through truth. Because what did Jesus even say in John 14, 26? He says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance what? All things that I have said to you. How many of you are thankful that when you've had bad days or when things weren't going, that the Holy Spirit began to remind you of the promises of God, began to speak, and sometimes he had to use a friend, but you know what that friend was doing? They were yielding to the Holy Spirit. This is why when we're a family together, you can't, I want to tell you, if you get away from family, you get away from culture that, that, that God is trying to build, the enemy is like a roaring lion. He's looking for the sheep that spreads away from the pack. God will go after the one, but so will the enemy. And we have to, we have to when we don't see people here that we know need to be here, we need to, we need to reach out to them in love. We need to say it's important. It's important that you come to home group. It's important that we get coffee. It's important that we go out, that we, that we are family, that we grow together, burn together. Final thing here is grace. So we said love, truth, and grace. And I gave you three scriptures for each one. 1 Corinthians 15. I want to read this to make sure. And I know we're, we're taking a minute. Uh, I'm thankful that Alan Hood and Michael Dow uh, don't mind preaching for two hours. It helps me a little bit. Uh, <laughs> that uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 15 says this. Verse 9, it says, For I am the least of the apostles. Does that sound 
does that, you know, Paul, Paul was a pretty big deal. I wouldn't say he was the least, but he had no problem saying that. For I am the least of the apostles who am not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Just think about that. Paul, the one that we say, what a, what a great man of God. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Paul says, I'm the least. I'm just a product of grace. I was riding a horse to kill more Christians, and I got knocked off of it by his glorious light. I'm a product of grace. And he says this. He says, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than them all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. What is he saying? He's saying that the grace of God impacted me so much that all I could do was labor the rest of my life for him. That the grace was not just so I could feel better about my sin. The grace was not just so I could feel a little better about attending a church and just sitting there and being a Christian. No, his grace hit me in such a way that I labored the rest of my life, that I would, was willing to be put in prison. I was willing to go to every extent that I could. I gave my life. I, I walked away from people I love. I had to do all these things, but it was all worth it because I know in whom I've believed. His grace impacted him in such a way. What else did Paul say? Let me give you these scriptures just so you have them. Um, it says Hebrews 4, 15 through 16. Paul, we don't know if Paul wrote Hebrews, but just for the sake of time, he says that the throne come boldly to the throne of grace. Did you know Jesus is sitting on a throne of grace? Do you know how exciting that is? He's not sitting on a throne ready to pounce on you. His throne is grace. And his grace, he, what did the Bible says? It says we're seated with him in heavenly places. So we're seated on grace. We're a product of grace. We're a product of who he is. We're resting in the finished works of who he is being produced. And then 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul was asking for a, a messenger of Satan to be taken away. He was asking for a situation to go. He prayed three times and then God responded to him and he said, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. This is, this is the thing about grace is that grace empowers your obedience. Truth frees you from any agenda to be obedient and love is the source that causes obedience to flow, flow freely. I want us to anchor in these scriptures so that way when we start all the things we're about to start, you don't get disappointed, you don't burn out with all these things, but you do it from love. Is he, everybody got this tonight? I feel like this was good. I, I, hope, I hope you were fed 